discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, the absolute best of October weekends to you, my friend. Hey, we've got a bit of news to share up top today before we get to our very special guests. Today will be the final brand new edition of Faith Radio's On the Road. Although many of you will hear some encore episodes over the next couple of weeks. Man, it's just been such an honor and a blessing to share these stories with you each week. It's wild to think about, but it was December of 2014 when we shared our first episode on Faith Radio and our great affiliates. Many of us were just a little bit younger then. Some of us had a few more active hair follicles on our heads at that point. But we're wiser now, right? Well, let's hope just a little anyway. We've been blessed to meet some truly phenomenal people in our conversations. Everyone from sports stars to meteorologists to YouTube sensations, to just a few musicians and authors. And today we wanted to say goodbye by what else? Telling stories, sharing some of the moments we just couldn't forget, filled with a hope greater than anything that life can throw at us. So first up today in this very special farewell edition of On the Road, it's Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave. Now this is a guy that's made a living encouraging others in profound, life-changing ways. But Mike tells us a jaw-dropping story about self-hatred and the moment that God communicated a message he'll remember forever. In my garage, which is below our house, this little basement garage in our house in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, telling God everything I hated about myself, and then the Holy Spirit interrupted that hate session, and he just began to speak in his still small voice, which absolutely will rock you to the core of who you are if you really encounter God. And he says to me, he says, Michael, you need to let me tell you what I think about you for once. And I'm like, all right, man. And so I'm ready to, to hear the most grandiose thing I've ever heard, potentially, you know, I'm, you know, on the yellow notepad of my life or my mind or whatever, I'm ready to write this down. And he says so clearly to me, he says, Michael, I like the way that you smile. And man, it was like, he took a wrecking ball to this huge wall of self-hatred that I had built. Um, because I never doubted that God loved me, right? It's that I couldn't love me. And But I, all of a sudden when he said, I like the way that you smile, I could see it. Like, that's the one thing in pictures that I did like. I liked that about me. And that was where he started. And I love that that's who God is. But, I mean, the king of the universe would be dealing in intimate details with me because he's the one who knit me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that incredible, man? That is just amazing to me that God would care about that, you know? And then he just began to show me, he said, look, the, for you to think some way about yourself that I don't think, it's like telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's never true because the prerequisite of being God is that you know <laughs> you know all the time you know what I mean you're right like if you say it it becomes right even if that previously was not the correct information yeah. You know? yeah. that's that's who he is and so he began to speak to me and said when I look at you I don't look at you you know by your standards because I look at you and I see what Jesus has done for you applied to your life so he sees the perfection of Christ 
applied to my life. And that was the day that that little idea began. I am redeemed, you know, and and turned into that song later with my friend Benji Cowart when we wrote together. Bad, oh bad. Mr. Mike Weaver there from Big Daddy Weave as we wish you a very fond farewell on this final edition of Faith Radio's On the Road. Hey, let me ask you an honest question. If you had $126 million in your bank account today, do you think you'd be happy? So we had the chance to meet one of the few people on earth who's tested the theory. His name is Barry Zito, and he was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball when he signed a $126 million contract to play for the San Francisco Giants. But then, his results on the field started to change, and his success started to desert him. He explains that he became absolutely miserable. We talked to Barry about what that was like, why money couldn't solve it, and who he met that changed everything. Man, possibly the most heart-wrenching conversation that you detail is the one you really open the book with. When your Giants manager, Bruce Boshi, tells you going to the playoffs in 2010, that you won't be on the team's playoff roster. And you've set the scene for what that did to you by sharing there were times when you could be found in your SUV with sunglasses covering your eyes and literally weeping at where life had taken you. I was so moved by that description. Can you just give us a sense of, of just how painful that was and how much you even hated coming to the park at that point, like you've talked about? Yeah, I mean, because I was trying to win my father's approval for you know, my childhood in a lot of ways, I ended up trying to win the fans approval. And if I wasn't pitching well, I wouldn't leave my home until I had to go to the field. And then when I went to the field, I'd cover up with sunglasses and headphones and try to be essentially just invisible. Uh, because here I was there, you know, multi-million dollar guy that they wanted me to lead them to the promised land of the world series. And, you know, I couldn't get anybody out. And so I would, I would just try to hide, not only from everybody else, but from myself. I mean, it was, it was misery and shame and, and, you know, in my car or even going back to this huge mansion I bought in the, you know, these beautiful mountains up North of San Francisco, but just alone and and completely miserable and um, doing whatever I could to escape myself. Uh, It's, it's just a beautiful discovery. And and you've laid out that, for so long and really throughout woven into this story, you've been searching for that missing piece, that whatever it was that would make your heart whole. And when you found Jesus, you stopped searching. Uh, how did you know that this, that he was it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. So after my wife hands me the Bible, I start going to Bible study at the Giants. You know, the Giants had a Bible study once a week and me and a couple other players were in it. And about three months later, you know, I prayed the prayer with our chaplain and uh, I just, something was different because I had, of course, tried so many religions and spiritualities and, and then would just move on to the next one after, you know, I had some tough times. But with Jesus, it was different. It was the first time I felt approved of and loved and, and validated and all those things I searched for in the world, uh, but without actually earning them without working for them, without having to perform for them. And that was the change. And and so I learned about grace. You know, I learned about what it meant to have something that I actually don't deserve. And, uh, you know, and I, and then I get to, at that point, I got to see baseball for what it really was, which was a game that I, it was, it was an honor to even play it at that level versus something that I was entitled to because I'd worked so hard for it. 
There's Barry Zito, Major League Baseball World Series winner, All-Star, Cy Young Award winner, owner of one of the finest curveballs in the history of baseball, but an even higher quality human being, as we just heard, here on our very special final edition of On the Road, I'm Ryan Thomas. You know, it's pretty difficult to even think of CCM Music without the next name on our broadcast, Michael Whitaker Smith, better known with a simple W there in the middle. We know about the catalog of songs that helped to put the genre on the map, but one of the things a lot of us probably don't know is who gave him the belief and the motivation that carried him where he is today. Michael W. explains who gave him that gift on Faith Radio's On the Road. Yeah, my mom and dad, I'd say, uh, uh, were the catalyst and, and just me going, really? Wow. <laughs> they were my... They were they were my biggest fans, still are. My my dad's on the other side now. He went to heaven a little over three years ago. He was my biggest fan and PR agent. Would tell everybody how great I was all the time, which was embarrassing <laughs> growing up. But my dad thought I hung the moon, and so I think just that that instilled inside of me so much faith and so much belief. Going, oh my gosh, maybe this is maybe I really do have something. And then 15 years old, the only second time I ever walked down the aisle at my church, 10 years old, when I realized Jesus was who he said he was, and at 15, um, and walked down and asked the pastor to pray for me. And I said to him, I said, I think music is supposed to be a part of the fabric of my life for the rest of my life. I don't know how to get there. I don't know what the rules are. Would you pray for me? Because I think that's where I'm headed. And he prayed for me. and crazy looking back on that and that was whew, a long time ago <laughs> you know um yeah but I, my mom and dad that was it was it was really them just bully. and then my and my whole church and my whole town and you know they would hear me play and then i was one thing about moving to nashville and they all said you can do it you can do it you can do it we believe in you and it certainly made a difference i believe There's the one and only Michael W. Smith on our farewell edition of On the Road. Speaking of names, it's tough to mention without others. When you talk Michael W., you can't help but think of his great friend and beloved recording artist Amy Grant. Their careers have woven together in some incredible ways. And when we had the chance to welcome Amy on the road in 2019, she told us the story of the day she first met the youthful Mr. Smith. And she went on to reflect on crafting her first album when she was still in her mid-teens. Well, I knew he was very talented and just so much fun to be with. And when I first met Michael, it was at a music publishing company. It was walking distance from the college where I was in school. He said, I've got some song ideas. Do you want to hear them? <laughs> and I, I wanted to stay in that room with that keyboard and that musician as long as I could. That's how I felt. I thought this is a circle I want to be a part of the rest of my life. <laughs> I never, I never guessed when we were knucklehead kids that he would travel the world, <laughs> and he has, and he's played in soccer stadiums in Brazil. It's like you're the kid from Canova. Way to go, buddy! <laughs> when I go back and listen to those early recordings, they were so simple. I was a child. I was not sophisticated in any way, and it just was what it was. I will tell you the tricky thing, because that put me on a path, you know, I never had to find a job, 
a job found me. Yes. And at different times, as you know, we we have a blended family of five kids, but I birthed four of those, and I and I I would have to throttle back, like you know, if somebody was turning twenty or twenty one, I couldn't say I was working full time and going to school. I would, you know, I couldn't say that. My life was so different. It launched so early. So with each with each of my kids, I've had to say. If you will pursue the things that matter to you, you know, find your passions. And in your passions, I believe God will find you. Miss Amy Grant joined us on this special final edition of Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, sometimes life's most unexpected, toughest moments are the very times when we learn the most important and hope-filled things. For Luke Smallbone, one half of the much-beloved Grammy-winning band for Can Country, he shared with us about suddenly coming face-to-face with a life-threatening illness and how the experience made him rediscover his purpose and refresh his perspective. Yeah, so I I got diagnosed uh, uh, several years ago with a a digestive disorder. And with those types of uh, diseases, you know, you really have to be careful because a lot of it has to do with it's an autoimmune disease. A lot of it has to do with uh, are you getting the, the right amount of rest and stress is usually something that's uh, uh, probably the thing that honestly started the whole issue in the first place. But I had this mindset of I'm just going to tough it out. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to, you know, uh, I felt like that's what you did when that, I felt like that was what fighting was. And at that point, I got really, 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 really sick. I got down to about 125 pounds. I'm six foot four. And I, uh, you know, my wife came to me one night and said, Luke, you know, you just can't leave me here. You got to fight through this illness. You got to make it through to the other side. And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm, I'm not that old. And yet my wife is asking me to like fight for my life. Like this doesn't mm-hmm. feel normal. And there was one particular night that I think I was at my, just at, just at the end of, of trying to figure this thing out myself. And I just kind of angrily kind of was like, God, why am I so sick? I don't know. I don't know why. I feel like I'm doing the things you've asked me to do. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to be in your will, but yet here I am like super, super sick. Like what's going on? And I felt God say, you know, these things, look, I don't need more effort from you. I don't, I don't need your striving. I don't need your talents. I don't need you to do any more shows for me. I don't need you to write any more songs. I just want your heart. I just want you. I don't want everything else. I just want you. And then so wow. it became something that honestly, I, I, you know, I don't desire to go back to being sick, uh, but it's changed the way that I look at life. It's changed the way I, I live much more in the, the goodness of Jesus but rather, rather than trying to earn the grace and goodness of Jesus. Man, some powerful stuff on this farewell edition of On the Road. Ryan Thomas with you. That was Luke Smallbone, the younger brother of the Australian wonders that are the band for King and Country. And how could we give you just one Smallbone when we can give you two today? Joel Smallbone is the elder of the two men, and he's joined us multiple times across the years on the road. One of the most memorable moments was his detailing of just how tenuous things were for his family when they first came to America in Joel's younger years. When we first moved to America, Dad had lost his job. We had no money. 
and um, it forced us to work together as a family. So we raked leaves, we mowed lawns, we cleaned houses, and everything and anything we earned went back into the family fund. And then when our sister Rebecca started traveling as an artist, we um, traveled with her as a family. We all had these our own jobs doing that as youngsters and having kind of this family thing that we owned we all owned it together i think it knit us together in a very special way and so now i think in in, in a lot of ways we're bearing the fruit of this great journey Mm. um that we this hardship that we walked through and it's really it's such a special thing ryan i gotta i gotta be truthful and i you know Sometimes you wish there was more drama to be told, but it's not. It just—it's a—it was a lovely. It's been a lovely journey. There is the Australian goodness of Joel Smallbone from For King and Country, as we share some special highlights from seven years of Faith Radio's On the Road. Today is our final original broadcast, although you may hear a couple encore editions in the next several weekends. Few bands have defined modern CCM music more than Mercy Me. But every journey has a beginning, and some of those beginnings are really quite humorous. Mercy Me's Bart Millard took us back to the night that the guy running slides at a Bible camp worship night instead became the lead singer of the worship band, and Mercy Me was born. I moved to Florida from Texas when my dad passed away to work at a church, and and we had a praise and worship, there was a praise and worship band. That was the first kind of live band that I ever played with and our work with and Mike, our guitar player, he was in that youth group in that band. Well, in the meantime, there was a ministry out of Oklahoma, um, that was like uh, traveling the country, you know, promoting teen missions overseas and stuff. So they did these little two day conferences. Well, my youth pastor in Florida was involved, help either fly and help him on the weekends, wherever they were, because a dear friend of his, he got tired of doing it. So he sent me in his place. Cause I was the little junior high youth intern guy. <laughs> and so, um, so I got sent to these places, and it was another band, which Jim, our keyboard player, and a girl named Jamie Smith, who's a worst leader out of Oklahoma. She was that was another whole other band. And so when I'd go on the weekends, I was the guy that was like running tables, literally running the slide projector, and uh-huh. PowerPoint wasn't invented yet, and doing <laughs> the words behind the scenes. So I was the tech guy. And so uh, Jamie got sick, and she couldn't make a show, and so they had this girl fill in kind of panicked like I can't do it and bailed and so the band was like we have no one to sing these songs and I was like hey I've been running the dang slides every weekend I know all the words I can do it and they were like where'd you come from <laughs> and so uh, and so I kind of jumped in and, and, and sang and and um and then that me and Jim and that kind of became the the early the early version of the beginning of Mercy Me and I went back to Mike in Florida and said hey man you know, you need to pray about, we need to do this. And so he, he was a freshman in college. He packed up in Florida. We moved to Oklahoma city where the ministry was kind of based out of. And, and, uh, and yeah, so that's kind of where it came from. So they kind of, kind of mashed up the two things. I was in two different bands, but they love that story and kind of, but yeah, I was, I was the guy that came out of nowhere. Like, Hey guys, I can sing it. I can do it. And they were like, wait, what? You're the tech guy. Mr. Vard Millard of Mercy Me right there as we share some of our favorite moments from seven years of Faith Radio's On the Road on this final brand new episode. One of the things we've been so grateful for is all the joy that we've been able to experience together on these airwaves. And few guests have brought more joy to more people than Rend Collective. 
we had the chance to talk with lead singer Chris Llewellyn, and he shared something a bit surprising. Behind the unmistakable joy of their music is a reality that you might not expect. Well, I think the reason why we gravitate to joy is in a weird way because we're kind of naturally quite grumpy people, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> we come from this, we come from this like slightly damp, uh, you know, wet, ever so slightly cold country, and uh, you know, even waking up in the morning, it's hard to it's hard to find joy when you can't find the sun, but. <laughs> I think one thing that we've realized is that that joy actually isn't something that is automatic for human beings at all, but it's a spiritual discipline that we need to cultivate uh, and and actually practice. You know, happiness is what happens to us, really. It's when you pass your driving test or you, uh, you know, I don't know, you get a box of chocolates, (laughs) but uh, joy is something that's so much deeper than that. Uh, Joy is that is our strength. You know, the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, uh, you know, that strength can sustain us even in dark times. We can, as Christians, we can have this, this almost defiant joy that, that arrives even in the middle of our hardest seasons. And that, that's what we're sort of chasing as a band is to try and be not just happy, but to be joyful. Uh, What an awesome response. (laughs) Well, and having never been to your, your sceptered, island realm myself you described it as being very wet but but in addition to the dampness it is an extraordinarily beautiful place right is that fair to say it really is that that's the that's the other side of the coin if the sun were to ever come out i think it would be the greatest place on planet earth it'd be better than hawaii (laughs) (laughs) you you guys explain your genesis as a band there in this this beautiful place that we speak of as being a group of confused 20-somethings mm-hmm. trying to figure out faith, life, God, and community in this small Northern Irish coastal town. What did you set out to do right. when you formed the band? What was your purpose? Well, we began as really just a Bible study. The thought process was that we we realized that at the end of youth group, kind of that 18 marker, uh, between 18 and the time that you're married, there was a real gap in in church uh, for where you were supposed to fit in. And unfortunately, it's in that gap that we saw a lot of our friends walk away from faith. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was because, I guess, the simplicity of, of the truth that they had been learning in, in youth group just didn't stand up to real life. And they didn't have any community to kind of wrestle through the questions and the gray areas of faith uh, that, that are so difficult, I guess, into adulthood. And we wanted to create a space where um, people actually in that age group, that 18 to 30s and single, were, were really on fire for Jesus and really pursuing that. The funny thing about uh, that Bible study, which was actually called REN, uh, is that there was basically no music. Uh, we we didn't play music for years. Um, it, it really wasn't about it. Really wasn't about that. There was no glamour. There was no there was no lights or stage or anything. We just kind of sat around on the floor of a sports hall and we opened the Bible and prayed together. And uh, you know, it's from there that we kind of grew. To be honest, Ren Collective, our, our music might change, and our music is 
by no means the best thing about us, <laughs> in my opinion. The best <laughs> thing about us is that we're a community of people who really are family to each other and who really model that and mm. who are trying imperfectly to chase after Jesus. We're, we're still basically those kids on the sports hall floor. We've just got a ukulele in our hand sometimes now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with just a few final moments left in our farewell episode here on the road, there's just one last thing to say. Thank you. Thank you so much to the phenomenal guests that joined us over the years, to the incredible publicists and managers who helped make the interviews possible and really don't get a lot of credit, to our great friends at Faith Radio who carried the show for seven years. You're awesome. Thanks as well to our affiliate stations who weren't part of the Faith Radio Network, but who carried on the road for their listening friends each week. And lastly, but the complete opposite of least, thank you so much for sharing these stories with us. It was an absolute joy to be with you each and every week. And so, for one last time, may God richly bless you so long and have a great weekend. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com.